Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, January 12th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's how we're making you smarter today. New laws that make hospital pricing more transparent. Plus, how car buying has changed forever. First, though, some situational awareness. Yesterday, articles of impeachment against President Trump were introduced in the House of Representatives for his role in inciting a mob that attacked the Capitol last week. But the House hasn't voted on them yet. First, House Dems are hoping Vice President Pence will invoke the 25th Amendment. House Resolution 21, resolution calling on Vice President Michael R. Pence to convene and mobilize the principal officers of the executive departments of the cabinet to activate Section 4 of the 25th Amendment to declare President Donald J. Trump incapable of executing the duties of his office and to immediately exercise powers as acting president. That move was quickly blocked by Congressman Alex Mooney, a Republican from West Virginia. For what purpose does the gentleman from West Virginia rise? I object. Speaker Nancy Pelosi said later in a news conference they'll give Pence until Wednesday to enact the 25th Amendment. If the vice president and the cabinet do not act, the Congress may be prepared to move forward with impeachment. That is the overwhelming sentiment of my caucus. The House plans to vote on articles of impeachment Wednesday. The resolution currently has more than 200 co-sponsors, all but ensuring it passes. Then it goes to the Senate, where Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said it would not be brought to a vote until the Senate is scheduled to return on January 19th. But Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is reportedly exploring a 2004-era amendment that gives authority to the two Senate leaders to reconvene the Senate in times of emergency. And now, today's one big thing how CEOs are becoming the fourth branch of government. As Congress moves forward with impeachment proceedings, corporate America is pulling the plug on political donations. First, it was big tech banning President Trump from social media sites. But now, big companies like Dow and Marriott are saying they're not going to donate to lawmakers who voted to object to the Electoral College certification. Others, like BP, are pausing all political contributions. Felix Salmon is Axios' chief financial correspondent. Felix, is this just a public relations move by companies? Probably. I think politicians are incredibly unpopular right now, and we are past the end of the political cycle. So this is the point at which political donations have the lowest amount of utility to any company. If you pause donations for a few months right here, it really doesn't do you any harm. This becomes a real problem for companies in terms of their influence in Washington if they keep it up for the next four years. But I don't think anyone's expecting that. Would you say that this represents a particular ideology? I I would call it small C conservatism, centrism, pragmatism, that kind of thing. Remember, if you're a CEO, your entire edifice is based on contracts, basically. You have merger agreements, which are contracts. You have employment agreements, which are contracts. Everything is based on a predictable rule of law. And everything ultimately comes down to the idea that the U.S. government and the power of the U.S. government will underpin anything that you agree to. And if anything goes wrong, you can take it to a federal judge and the federal judge will come down on the side of what's right. If that is damaged, If there is a chance that a free and fair election gets overturned by a mob storming the legislature, then the value of every company in America 
starts becoming incredibly precarious. So what they want is predictability and order so that they can do what they want to do, which is make lots of money. It's clear that we're seeing, especially in the past year, CEOs and corporations making more public statements. I'm thinking about the Black Lives Matter movement last summer. Do you think we're at the point where we can say this is perhaps a new political force or a new form of political force that's emerging on behalf of corporations? Absolutely. And it's a unified political force. They really rallied around racial justice issues in a unified way. And now, most visibly, they've rallied around condemnation of President Trump and the Trumpists in Congress and the rioters in Washington in a unified way. This is a degree of power I think they might not have even realized that they had. But now they're realizing, and I think that in many ways they're becoming almost a fourth arm of government at this point. Axios Chief Financial Correspondent, Felix Salmon. Thank you, Felix. Thanks, Nana. And 2021, the start of a new year, also means a new rule for hospitals around the country. Usually, they keep rates they've negotiated with insurers secret. But now, hospitals will have to post prices online for every single service, drug, and supply they provide. In theory, this is supposed to make comparing prices for the same services at different hospitals easier for consumers. But the reality is far more nuanced. Dan Weissman hosts a podcast about the cost of healthcare called An Arm and a Leg, and he is here to explain more. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Nyla. Dan, what do you think consumers need to know about this new law? That it exists, and you could, if you're dedicated, go look up a bunch of things and try shopping around. The second is there's really only certain situations where it seems to me like it's going to be useful. Like there's this really dramatic example that came up in my reporting where there's a woman who thought she would have really liked to have this information. Her name's Sarah McSalka. Her son, Cameron, fell, gashed his knee wide open. You hear this crazy screaming, crying coming. She wanted to shop around, so she took him to the local urgent care clinic where they post the prices. And the doctor was like, I could totally stitch this up. But, you know, the thing is, I don't have any anesthetic. And she was like, well, I guess we're going to the hospital ER then. And so they did. And then she got the bill. And after insurance, it was $3,000. And she said, if I had known they were going to charge me $3,000... I would have said thank you very much and walked out and gone back to our lovely urgent care and been like, Cameron, bite on this stick. We're going to do this together as a family. (laughs) But those aren't the situations that I think I really worry about. And so number three is I'm having a heart attack. I have COVID and I need to go to the hospital. These are not times when I'm going to go shopping on the Internet. And those are the instances where your health and your financial health are like completely on the line. This is not useful for that at all. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to solve insurance, but while we're thinking about this idea of transparency, where do we still need to go? I think this is a good thing to do this. This takes away one completely ridiculous set of issues, right? That woman in Denver now would have the information she needs to say, you know what? We're going back to the urgent care. I'm going to give my kid a stick to bite on. Like, this does address that. You helped an old lady across the street. Okay, great. One down, umpty million to go. Dan Weissman hosts the Arm and a Leg podcast, which is all about the cost of health care. Dan, thanks for taking the time to speak with us. Nyla, thanks so much for having me.
It turns out that it just took a global pandemic to drag car buying into the 21st century. And these changes are likely to last forever, says Joanne Muller, Axios' transportation reporter, who was joining us now from Detroit. So let's talk specifics. It's not just virtual car buying. What else has changed in the process because of the pandemic? So now you can just do the transaction in about 15 minutes online. You tell the dealer via email what it is you want. Some dealers will bring the car to you for the test drive. And you can sign the paperwork and you can arrange for delivery. And then even after you own the car, car dealers are beginning to realize that they need to provide service that's uh, sort of like concierge and they'll pick up your car and they'll take it back to the dealership and they'll do some maintenance work on it. And so it's really getting to be a much less painful experience. What has this meant for car dealers? Car business can be rough sometimes because the margins have gotten thinner and thinner. But what's happening surprisingly during this pandemic is that the car dealers are actually more profitable than they've ever been. And it's partly because they're doing all of their sales online. They don't need as many employees because a lot of it's done virtually. And they're making money hand over fist right now. Joanne Muller covers transportation for Axios from Detroit. Thanks, Joanne. Thank you, Nyla. That's all we've got for you today. You can reach your team at podcasts at axios.com or find me on Twitter at Nyla Boudreau. If you want more news before tomorrow, tune into our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.